All right, so yo, we're we're over here talking with um, my boy and one of my really good boys. Like, I love this motherfucker to death. I don't really get a chance to see him that often. Like to see him more, but um, he is here. We're over here having a conversation about. Um, this is just particularly if you're doing any type of like party or brand activation, um, this kind of can go either way. But a lot of people don't think about these little nuanced logistics that mean a lot when you're throwing an event. And and if you can think about these things, you're going to have a way more highly successful event because there's so many little things that you want to think through that you have to plan from A through Z. And if you can plan those things out, it'll go much better and much more effective. So we were discussing why some, you know, you know, we live in Los Angeles. You see a lot of people throwing an event, and what they end up doing is they'll put in, a, they'll have an event somewhere, but they don't think about that. If you have neighbors that are nearby you, you might need permits, or um, you want to say that it's some type of like it's a, a movie, it's some type of like movie production, so it's going to be loud for a little while. You might have to like buy out the 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 neighbor, like the 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 five or six neighbors that are right next to you, and put them in a hotel for the day, so then that way you can throw the event. Or you might have to hire off-duty cops, so then that way when the cop call does go out, they can kind of mitigate that and say, okay, well, we have permits for this, or this this is some special set thing going on. We've already let the neighbors go about it. And the reason that you do it is because it just gives you more and more of a cushion to where your shit won't get shut down. And this is whether this be a brand activation or not. You need to think about the logistics of where your location is going to be, where you're going to throw an event, because LA has been very, very strict as of late when it comes to cracking down on events, whether they be a brand activation or that would be um, an individual private party for just residents, you know. So you were talking about hardwood floors, and I know what I was going to get into. We're talking that, about soundproofing, that. basically. So like, soundproofing the house, yeah. And in terms of like, okay, what what are some options around getting uh, getting uh, options that are going to keep you from having cops come over, having right. people coming? One of the options I mentioned was okay, well, maybe you can soundproof the house. Is that possible? Would you say? So you know what you so the way that I learned that like uh, there's certain like things like Velcro actually start mitigating sound and they start muffling it. So the areas that where you want to really soundproof, you want to soundproof like areas of the windows because those reverberates, anything that has um, high amounts of reverberation or can echo really well is going to then therefore reverberate sound and it's going to project sound and amplify it. So hardwood floors are a thing that will amplify sound. Tile will amplify sound. This is why like um, the more carpet that you have in a house, the better because it muffles the fucking sound. It's kind of like, if you put, if you put like, um, if you've ever been like inside of like a studio booth, you ever notice that they always have like that, like that, that weird, not styrofoam, but it's that, that, that mesh foam. Yeah, it's that, sound, the soundproof uh, styrofoam. Yeah. The, and it's, you're always sitting there going, why the fuck do they do all that shit? It looks hella weird. It's because you won't hear shit outside of that fucking booth. Oh, exactly. But maybe, so it's a solution to tear up the hardwood right. floor and put carpet. Is that what you're recommending? I mean, cause yeah. shit, maybe that's the solution. Get rid of tile, get rid of the cheaper. fucking hardwood floor, get rid of the marble and put carpet in there. If you don't have carpet, literally go find. So you'll see a lot of like carpet stores. Most people don't know this. I used to live behind a carpet store. What they car- what they would do is that say like when they do like Stanley Steam or your carpet cleaner or whatever, like some people have to go and get new carpet installed because, well, unfortunately, like, you know, most carpet has glue in it. Mm-hmm. So it's not like... um carpet is all the way threaded through so because it has glue in it you have to replace it more often because it ends up like lifting up the more times you shampoo your carpet so you end up having to have someone else come in replace the carpet they take the old carpet they throw it out right Some, and then what happens is they throw out that old carpet they also that new carpet that was cut at certain dimensions the extra carpet that's left over they don't save it they don't even fucking use it again. they don't even use it or recycle it what they do is they toss it in the back you could take that same carpet that's sitting in the back you'd have a full fucking row and literally go take that like a full whole sheet of what they didn't use, take that carpet, 
put it on the floor during some of your events, it just cuts your cost and it soundproofs the fucking house. So what are some other suggestions you'd have? Is there another way to either soundproof your house or other ways to get around not having your party get shut down here in LA? We're talking about LA area in general. Like I said, do off-duty cops or something that work amazingly well. Like when you like when you can pay an off-duty cop or whatever, that helps you. And here's the biggest thing. Instead of just paying the off-duty cop, make a fucking relationship with the cop. Hire him exclusively for all your events. Tip him a little bit extra at the end of the event because why? Like cops don't make that much on their fucking salary. Most cops aren't dicks. We used to work um, with UPD because uh, I used to work for a towing company. We started realizing cops are probably some of the nicest people possible if you figure out a way to work with them. The more that you work with the police and like especially the one that's like the nicest guy who knows everyone in the department, say if you can get the chief, you're good to go because they're not going to call the cops on their own. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Now, what are some, um, we mentioned in regards to getting a party to a point where it's not getting shut down. What are some right. ideas that you have in regards to just like, let's, let's add some value to our audience. So, okay, dope. let's say somebody wants to start a party uh, at their house. This is uh, a container event. Right. Um, dope. And they want to say, this is like their first or second time, but they want to bring a lot of people over. Okay. What are like five, four or five or, uh, a few things that they must do, like what are must do's for them as a first time okay. uh, person starting uh, their own house party. Okay, so here's so rule number one with a party is you need women. Like, and I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but I see too many events where the guys don't stress enough that the need for women to be there. Well, if you need women to show up to a party, you need to have MacGuffins or you need to have items or little key points that women are going to want and like. Right, so like, what are things that women really enjoy? And then you wanna think about those things and bring those things to your event, why? Because it's an easier selling point to get the girls to show up. The biggest thing you wanna make sure is girls will bring their friends. Never invite one or two girls kinda by themselves. You wanna look at inviting groups. And the biggest thing you're looking for when you're inviting groups is what you wanna do is this. If you invite one girl, she only has maybe three or four friends, right? What you're gonna look for is you're gonna look for that girl that's exceptionally extroverted. You're gonna look for that girl that has a lot of friends, that's got a big fucking mouth, and this is not any way to sound sexy, there's just everyone has that friend that loves to talk, that's exceptionally social, she's a little bit ADD, but she knows and every she knows everyone and everyone loves her. You want that girl to be your chief evangelist. So Malcolm Gladwell talks about in his point, the tipping point, whenever you're trying to create epidemics, which is basically making anything go viral, that there, there are certain rules that need to be applied when it comes to spreading a message to make it go viral it's the law of the few context and stickiness factor this that those principles alone are every single event i've ever ran can you briefly describe what those mean? i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna actually go into each one uh uh each one by itself so each event that i've ever ran i thought about the law of the few stickiness factor and context so let's start with something like the law of the few so the reason that the law of the few is really important is because in any epidemic, there are certain people that are more important than others. Remember when I made that comment about the girl with the big mouth? Mm-hmm. Why she's so unimportant? The reason that the girl with the big mouth is fucking important is because the girl with the big mouth has a following. She has an audience. She knows people. She's what we like to call in epidemics a connector. This is someone... See, now, I, now there's there's a, a game by Stanley Milgram where he likes the where they played where it's called six like six, basically six degrees of separation. What they would do was they tried to get a chain letter to be sent to uh, a particular Rhode Island like stockbroker and what they did was they said okay what we're gonna do is we're gonna like you know basically spam this message out to about like 165 people and see can it end up getting from like one state to the next state to where that stockbroker is Mm -hmm. 
what they did was so the letters did get to the stockbroker. I think um, out, out of the hundred letters that they sent out, I think thirty like like. No, no, it was about like 50, 56 got to the stockbroker. But what was interesting is not the fact that 56 got to the stockbroker. It was the fact that 56 got to the stockbroker brought from the same three or four people. Wow. Nice. So out of, so like if you basically, you had like about, say you had 200 people and you were trying to get those letters to that stockbroker. Out of all those 200 people, there really were only about 20% out of all those people did most of the work. And most of the letters got to that stockbroker from those twenty percent of people. So it's called Prado's principle, the eighty twenty rule. Twenty or yeah, sorry, like eighty twenty, but it's like really twenty eighty. Twenty percent of your effort gives you eighty percent of your upside results. Twenty percent of people in any epidemic uh, do most of the eighty percent of the work. Twenty percent of your workout gives you eighty percent what your physique's gonna look like. Twenty percent what you're doing diet wise, it gives you eighty percent of your results. So it's just that's the law of the few. We tend to have this this belief that like the amount of work that we put in is 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 proportionate to the amount of reward that we will receive. It doesn't work that way. The amount of work you the amount of twenty percent of the right work that you put in gives you an exponential amount of growth. They call it geographic uh, geometric progression. But Jay, let's say uh, you know that you this is your first party, and let's say that you're you don't know connectors. You don't really know a lot of connectors. So how do you get that person? Let's say you you see that. This one person is is a connector that yeah that does uh, get a lot of people to come out to parties in your neighborhood and you right. know their name but you don't know them personally. So how do you get them to be a connector for your party and bring people out to your party? You got to figure out first and foremost what that connector wants. The biggest thing is you know that connector likes throwing parties. He likes going to parties. So that means you have something of value to offer that connector first and foremost. The biggest thing is getting in and then figuring out what that person wants. What are they interested in? What first motivates them? Because it's my, my mentor told me with anything I want to do is three questions I need to ask. What, who, and how? What do I want? What is it going to take to make it happen? Who is it going to take to make it happen? How do I add value to them to get them to do what I want them to do? All right. So it's all about putting things in that person's favor. How can I help you? How can I make this event worth your time? How can I make it worth it for you? If they want money and you don't have it, you got to find some other way, some other PDE that they're going to be looking for. But everyone has a sell point. Everyone does. What is PDE? Primary driver emotion, right? So like within any friendship, there's a, there's a reason for why we hang out. So like me and you are friends, right? But like what's, what, why are we hanging out? There's like a justified reason as to why we're keeping in touch, right? Because mm-hmm. I think uh, we have a lot of the same values. We're hobbies, interests, and we have same, same goals. Same things and goals. Yeah. So I think a lot of times you, you find people who are in the same category as you in terms of commonalities. And that's exactly what, what the value do. is. So that person's PDE, what the value is, is whatever that person's hobby or career is. And then if you're helping them go in the same, if you're going in the same direction as them, and you can help them achieve that thing, you're going to get FaceTime with them. From the FaceTime that you get, you can broker a friendship from that. But I've heard some people though say that you know maybe you don't want to cash your cards in that early. So like, is this a relationship that you have to build up for some time and then you ask them, or can you actually? You can ask them right away. Right away. That's okay. what like the first thing I let I me mean, let's think about it when I met you. Like, you know, one of the first questions I asked you when we, when we were at that meeting was how can I help you? Absolutely, that was a great question. Like that was all I was interested in was how I can help you. I didn't ask for anything from you. I asked for how I could help you first, right? Yeah. And then after that, I helped you with the thing you wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. So then it became mutual. We're like, okay, like, why did I get your time? I helped you achieve something. There was a reciprocal idea. If I gave you value, you felt like there was something to do that you felt like you wanted to give back to me. And then we just keep doing that. And that's what brokers the friendship. If I stop adding value, there's no reason for us to continue being friends. Because then that's I'm true. just a leech. That's true. Unless, 
the person is in a codependent relationship. But that's another time. That right? <laughs> but let's that's say something else. We're not in a codependent relationship. Right? So, okay, so you mentioned that you need to find a connector. The law of the, the other few. Two. So the law, so the so connectors. You need to find connectors, and you need to, basically what you do is you need to figure out what they want and how to give that to them. Because once you can get them on your side, that's going to be the biggest thing with making your event work. Whenever I throw an event, I always look for connectors who have who actually have the downline or the audience that I'm individually looking for. Right. So whether that's a, a nightclub promoter, whether that's an influencer, in my mind, they're all connectors. Right. The second, the second part, people that make sense an epidemic. So a connector's in the inherent value is. They know people. Their value is they like helping people to connect to other people. That's their inherent value. The second thing that makes someone valuable is as someone we call a maven, an information specialist, someone who gathers and gleans information that which is scarce to the average pop, to average populace. So there's car mavens, there's supermarket mavens, there's uh, mavens for like jet skis, whatever it is. There's always someone that gathers a fuckload of information on a particular topic and that everyone around them knows that when they, whenever I should go and figure out something, I need to ask that person to solve that individual problem for me. So I really am getting a lot of um, insight off of you. I think this is very powerful, not only in the aspect of throwing a party, but I like how you say who, what, and how. Like those are very powerful, and I think, um, and this is on a tangent, but I think one thing that I've recently been learning is that in business, for example, a lot of people you're taught in school just to figure out how to do things, and you never really look at who, who specializes, uh, who's, who's better, specializes than, who's better than me at this thing, and you, if you want to learn like what Amazon and the, uh, the Jeff Bezos and uh, you know uh, the Googles are doing, the reason why they have. The, the ability to grow a company into the size it is is because they're not focused on how they're they're also focused on who they know what they want and they know why they want it exactly but then they know who they need to get in order to do that so the it's key not pieces so of the puzzle that make the machine work absolutely so I, I think that's huge because I think a lot of people they try to do everything on their own you can't and they try to throw these parties and they try to connect with the connectors but maybe you know maybe that you're not good at connecting with connectors can you get somebody who is good at connecting with connectors exactly that you, you bring on board to do that 90% of the time just radical humility is gonna be the thing that's gonna allow you to win all day long so like any connector that I'm looking to meet or network with it's not about me I drop the fucking ego and whatever I got to do to get that person on my side is the name of the game right so like I don't give a shit. Like my mother said, in this world, you always got to kiss some ass. It's just a matter of whose ass you're gonna kiss. So you're always doing some fucking brown. People don't like that shit because they their egos get so radically involved that they're like, oh well, this isn't flattering to me. How does this help me? It's all about me, 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 me. And the thing is that if everyone around you is me, 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 you gotta figure out at some point it can't be about me, me, me. It's gotta be about them, them, them. Because no, when you go them, 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 then you get me, me, me. Oh yeah, I, I like actually uh, heard somebody say this the other day. But it was like figure out a way to add add so much value to other people's lives and don't look for anything in return Precisely. but you you do want to look at how people are, are giving back to you and you do want to have your asks so you want yeah. to make sure that you're asking people to get something out of it but you'll realize that not everybody's going to get back to you but there are going to be people there are going to be a few who are going to get back to you and, and those are the ones that that's your 20 percent that yeah, you that's double your 20 exactly and so i grew 200 percent um so let's get back into the party so and, maven um, so maven so you go got on. connectors their value is connecting with people and they like helping you connect to people that's their value they know people and they like 
connecting those people together. Mavens, their value is they like helping people, but they like helping people with giving them information to solve a problem. They love connecting you with information that you wouldn't know about that's scarce. So connectors connect you to specific types of people that you would never meet otherwise. Like it's not about when most people, when they get jobs, it's not from their close friends. It's from those like weak associates or those affiliates that know so many people. And they're just, they have these aggressive set of social skills where people just like them. So they have a wide, um, wide connections of so many different types of people. They, they give you access to worlds you never have access to because they're likable so they get invited into those worlds and they add value which keeps delving them deeper and deeper into multiple worlds and segments and markets. Okay. Same thing with mavens. Mavens like helping people. So because it's, it's creating a reciprocal relationship between that person and the other person that they're meeting. The last person is salesman. A salesman is a person that's just got a very, what their whole thing is, they have the ability to be able to persuade people. But it's not about, see, per, pe, most people think that persuading is like, they just have this uncanny ability of being able to sell you some shit. No. What makes you buy shit and what makes you uh, specifically want to buy from it is one, they like helping people. But what they connect you to is they simplify the information that would be complex, that would be ambiguous, that would be, the word would be very confusing for you to digest and they simplify it. And then they're, they're like a medium, if you will, where they just take the information, they condense it, simplify it, and then communicate it to you. So where that maven might give you something and it might be exceptionally complicated and you can't see a way in hell that you would use it, the salesman, what he does really well, he makes it applicable to you and to your situation. Keep it simple, stupid. All right, so you, you mentioned connectors, mavens, and salesmen. Salespeople. All right, so, or salespeople. Let's say, okay, like you're this new guy or new girl and you're trying to throw this party. Uh, okay, so how in a practical practical way do you, find, you find connectors, maven, sales? Is it Instagram? Is it Facebook? Um, is it you know knocking on doors? How do I find these people? Here's what's great: Instagram's an easy one. You can find anybody absolutely on Instagram. If you're looking for for connectors, all you're gonna look for is someone like look for the guy who has a huge following, but look at the guy who's responding to his audience, and then literally like the person will ask a question, and what they do is they respond back with either a book or they connect them with someone who can solve the problem. Just look for like, if they tag a friend going, you should talk to this person, you know you've got a connector on your hands. Especially if you see a habit of them doing that. That tells you that they like doing it. It's a natural thing for them to do. If they're always suggesting books or, um, or other recommendations to programs or products that you should get a hold of that'll solve your problem, as well as giving you the actual practical advice, boom. The salesperson, this is the person that's giving you dense information that may seem kind of scarce or arbitrary, but what they do... They're making it a way that's simple for you to digest and to take on. If it ain't simple, then are you going to listen to it? You want to know how I know this, the information, the more simple that you make it is what works? They did a study with Sesame Street. The people that were, that were trying to make Sesame Street an epidemic had a big problem. It almost Sesame Street almost didn't happen. Because what they were trying to figure out, they were trying to figure out how do you condense information to make it simple for babies to learn from. So the, they, what they figured out is that, uh, attention, uh, that TV is a really great medium for people to like watch and to pay attention to problem is though is that people weren't retaining any information so they were watching it but they weren't retaining information they couldn't they weren't it wasn't interactive tv was interactive to, to engage learning so what they had to do is they had to find creative ways of making the, the tv engaging so that way the, the information would become sticky remember the second law stickiness factor yeah let's talk a little bit about that so we found these people online now so now let's go to sticky uh what 
what is that exactly and how can we apply it to this party? So stickiness factor is the idea that in order to make an idea like st um, sticky, you need to see it three to seven times for you to develop a familiarity and a liking for that stimulus. So you need to see Coca-Cola three to seven times before you go, man, I'm fucking thirsty, I should drink Coca-Cola. All right, so how, how's that a practical way you could use that in in the uh, creation of your party? Is this like putting up ads or is this po putting up Flyers, what, what make exactly? Sure, make sure in your flyers that the information is concise and simple. If it doesn't seem, if people still seem confused by your message, that means your message ain't sticky. Is this physical flyers that you're passing out? Or if you're, or if you're doing physical else? flyers, it just needs to be simple as fuck for people to understand. Like the more convoluted, the more you use words that aren't familiar to someone, the more you're going to see these kind of looks like, eh, I don't get what he's talking about. So like, if you're throwing a party, what should, what information should be on the flyer? Time, date, attire, theme, dress, right? Um, starting time, ending time, sponsors, whatever gifts are going to be given. The little, the little selling pieces that make it interesting, right? So that's one, that's one piece of your ad is the actual flyer itself. Then what's the ad copy, the text? That what's your persuasive text that are going to make people fucking show up? You need to make that simple as fuck. It needs to be very clear and outlined what people are looking to expect. But it needs, but you need to use words that are engaging that trigger incitement. It's the whole idea of upselling. Right, if I talk about uh, pancakes or whatever, I'm like, yo, man, I got these chocolate chip pancakes. They're kind of cool. Um, they got chocolate chips. They got vanilla. And uh, you put them in a frying pan and they come out brown and add some whipped cream and yeah, get your pancakes. Like, how likely are you to want to eat those? Damn, that sounds good, actually. I'm going to take you up on that offer, Jake. I don't know right now. It's okay, look, that was, that was shit. <laughs> no, no, no. That was I'm fucking sorry. terrible. That was terrible. Anyway, this motherfucker just likes to eat. Um, but let's put it this way. You want to make something, you want to excite someone, use words that are exciting. Put energy, put emphasis to show more genuineness, to show more sincerity. Be like, yeah, man, I got these, I got these chocolate chip pancakes, dude. Like, I would, you know, I'm going to tell you, there's, there's some of the best chocolate chip pancakes in the world. Probably don't believe me, but uh, there's places that I know it's not far from me that has them. And the way they make them is they make them with like this, uh, they make them with buttermilk batter, um, Kerrygold butter, and they'll let, so they'll let the, the, the butter like go into the skillet and they'll let it just slowly kind of like start to simmer before, it, before they uh, actually pour like the pancake batter in there. So kind of whisk it and they'll put a little bit of vanilla extract, um, some crushed walnuts and pecans in there whisk them together exceptionally quick and you'll be able to smell the vanilla extract inside of the buttermilk flour. Then they'll take it, they'll go ahead and pour it, you know, into that into that skillet and the fly, the fire will be kind of on medium so you can be able to you'll be able to smell like the buttermilk mixed with the vanilla and like the fresh, you know, uh like crushed walnuts and pecans in there. They're almost once now you, what you want to do is you want to let them get uh kind of semi fluffy. Put your chocolate chips in there. Let them melt all the way through. But, and then when you, when you take it off, you want to make sure it's got this beautiful golden brown on the finish on the top. When they're um, fluffy and soft to the touch, at that point, they should be just kind of like a little crispy, but not too much to where they burn. Take them, flip them over, grab you some whipped cream. And you want to literally put it all the way around the edge, all the way to like from the base to the middle. Kind of make a, not, not too much of a mountain, but just, you know, it's, it's nice, it's fluffy. And they need to be like, not piping hot, but just right at room temperature. You take it, you literally are able to glide your fork through. You're able to taste the butter, the vanilla, and as fluffy as the pancakes, they literally just melt in your mouth. As well as when, you know, when they finish off, you got that chocolate chip finish, like right on the tip of your tongue. I don't know about you, man. That sound amazing to you? Man, you know what? I, I think we should just go hit a buy-off right now, All right, man. It sounds damn good. It sounds good. Brother.
That's uh, the idea. Yeah, you need to go. be descriptive. Descriptive with what you're selling and what you were talking about so that way people can get a full idea of they need to be able to see it if they can't see what's going on mentally they say facts tell stories sell well what's a story a story is very like descriptive pieces that talk about something they take you someplace well if i'm not taking you someplace of what it is that you're reading and the piece of content that you're reading are you going to be interested well, one thing I, I know you mentioned before, or actually I've seen a lot happen also in, in today's uh, media in, in terms of marketing and as far as sticky, a lot of people are, are creating not only these just uh, paper ads, but they're also creating like little videos of what to expect or like it's a video marketing where you see like a party that's about to happen and it shows you visuals and you see the girls you see the guys you know you see like like cool things in that party that you you know that you're interested in you exactly. want you see the hot tub you see the you know the uh the pool the slides like it's crazy and i, I think it's showing you maybe, the experience it's making you want to go to that thing because you're going fuck this is what i'm going to be getting if i show up here exactly i think it, i think to add to your point Using more of the senses also help. Exactly. Uh, right now, Thank maybe you. can't use the smell sense, and, and, and maybe in selling something, uh, it won't be as. But what are uh, they gonna? What are they hearing? Yeah, but what are they hearing? What are they seeing? What are? What emotion are you portraying? What are you? Were you making them make an association to emotionally? No, absolutely. Because people don't make decisions critically. Make decisions emotionally, first and foremost. So if I'm not invoking your emotion during my ad copy, during my video, if I'm not telling you a story and transporting you someplace, you're not fucking interested. Now, next point you made is sticky. You have to get them to see it multiple times. So, how how exactly would you recommend getting your flyer, your ad, your Instagram uh, story get getting it seen multiple times? What 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 do you do personally? You use those same connectors that you just made friends with. You give them an incentive to post. See my point? Because if me and uh, that connector have the same following, guess what happens? My downline sees it, and if your downline is cross collaborative with my downline, guess what happens? They see it too. Everybody sees it. Wow. Exactly. So now is what is creating social proof? Mm -hmm. Because people that they are familiar with, that they like and they trust, are posting the same shit that I'm posting. It seems more legitimate. It seems more realistic. Seems well, can you like. explain social proof? Not maybe not everybody understands what that word means. Exactly. Social proof. This idea is in social psych. It's basically it's a cognitive bias. We make snapshot decisions when we don't like to think that hard because our brain's lazy as shit. So the idea would be this. I'm just gonna. I'm not even gonna give you the definition. You see a red light. How do you know to stop at the red light? Because you see other people stopping at Thank the red you. light. That is social proof. <laughs> monkey see, monkey do. So, what everyone else is doing, you also are going to do. There's an old saying in yeah. sales, nobody wants to be the only dumbass. That sounds pretty right, man. Well, let's go on to the third thing. So you, you mentioned, you know, the connectors. You mentioned the mavens. You mentioned the salesperson. You mentioned stickiness factor. Last one, context, time, and date, seasons. Right when you're planning an event, you need to be thinking about what's context, weather. But how can you predict the weather? Let's say your event's like three weeks out. How, how exactly? Then you, you might want to make sure that you have a backup option of like somewhere being able to go inside, because the weather can literally pull like an act of God on you. You need to be ready for okay, the weather's going to change. You need to also think about what other competing events that are consistent that your audience already is going to be going to. You're competing for an event. No matter how great your event's going to be, what's gonna happen is people are gonna always go to the thing that's a little bit more trusting, a little bit more familiar to them. Mm -hmm. People well, make decisions all the way up to the last minute of where they're gonna be going. And whatever is the easiest, the most familiar, where their friends are going. People tend to, this is why I say, that's why connectors are your best friends. Because wherever that connector's going to go, their downline is going to go too because they have trust and credibility. 
within their social circle. So when you're trying to influence someone, one of the biggest laws of epidemics is that it's not just, you don't need someone that's a connector with just multiple people. You need someone that's a big connector of groups. John Wesley was someone that was a connector of groups. Everywhere he went, he would preach a message. And then after he would leave, he would create this collective group after he left. And the reason he created a collective group is that people learn faster. People, people pay attention to what everyone else is doing. And if you create friendships within individual groups, guess what happens? It makes a message more sticky because what happens is everyone else in the group is still talking about it again and again and again. So it's beating it into your head again and again and again. You're getting mere exposure from the five to six or seven people that are in your social circle that you hang with the most. You're hearing the same message again and again and again. That's true. That's true. Okay. Well, we're, we're talking about LA here just specifically for this part, a particular podcast. So, um, just specifically for LA, you just mentioned, okay, well, how do you make sure that you're not having so much, uh, competition where your friends or other people are going to want to go somewhere else? And you know, LA, let's say on Friday or Saturday, everybody is like, there's millions, well, not millions, but there's hundreds of parties going on. Where they can be going. Now do you see why you connect with connectors? Mm -hmm. Because your event wouldn't do shit if it was just you by yourself. The reason you connect with connectors is that, see, people don't, people make decisions emotionally, right? But they also make decisions based off who they trust. Whenever, like, I want you to think about it this way. If you have an option of going to try a new restaurant where you're unsure of, you're not sure how the food's going to fucking be, you've never fucking been, as much as you really like that restaurant, if you have to make a snapshot, quick decision because you're fucking hungry, you don't have the time to play, where are you going to go? going to go to whatever comes most up first familiar. in your your ways app whatever is most <laughs> whatever is most familiar whatever most is familiar. nearby yeah i got you if you go to some place on a thursday night every single fucking thursday the only way to, to move you from one place onto a thursday to another thursday night is to get a connector you need this is why this is why clubs hire promoters no one gets people think a promoter's value is the fact that he has a crowd no he's got familiarity and trust people it's people look at that promoter and go it's a sure bet option if I go with him that I'm going to go to something fun. That's why the, that's why they are your biggest arbitrage whatever you're trying to do. Because if you can get the person that everyone in your everyone that you want to show up is there, they're going to show up because they have the trust of the community. All right, so we went over a lot of information here, and I think that we added a lot of value to whoever's listening. Oh, I want to mention so, co- context, right? So context is huge. Why you want to think about what other events are going to be competing for the same space that are consistent? Because they may have your connectors already booked up. Think about it. If they got your connectors booked up, you've got an event that's already consistent, and it's got your connectors and their downline that you want already going there. So you're competing, and it's going to be hard to, to persuade those people to go somewhere else. So I think that if you're throwing your first party, you do get as many connectors as possible to have the same kind of downlines that cross collaborate because then you're more than likely to drag out the group that you want. Exactly. But you got to do a little research and you need connectors, you need research and recon, baby. You need salespeople and you find all of them by using social media or friends or promoters. And then you need to focus on the stickiness, the marketing, and as well as the context. So this is a lot of value, man. I, I really think that we, uh, we did give a lot of information. Is there any final thoughts or things that you think um, that somebody like? Well, here, here's one thing. Like, I think a lot of people, the first thing everybody forgets is why are you throwing a party? Exactly. Um, what's your outcome? What's your why? So, is is this party? Is this party you're throwing because you want to make um, make yourself? Uh, a lot more friends you're just you're coming out and you want people just to have a housewarming and and just get people to know you or is this a way for you to um, make money what exactly is your outcome and what have you seen people come up at or what has most people's outcomes been when you've seen them throw 
parties. Exactly, and find role models. Find role models that have already beaten the path to success that you're trying to go on and then follow everything they do for lack of a better saying like it's gospel. Why? Because at least you know at least what they did worked for them at least 1% or 2% better than what it would do for, not even for you, but it already worked. They already had success. So all you gotta do is just backtrack that same metric. Like why try to reinvent the wheel when someone already did it for you? There's a saying in Ecclesiastes which is there's nothing new under the sun. Why reinvent the wheel? Why do it your own way when you can find role models, learn, collaborate with them, and then they can mitigate the majority of your mistakes? All right, same reason why people should have mentors. Like, I think your answer is amazing, but what I was trying to ask is um, a lot of people, they don't know why they're throwing a party. You're throwing it because- They have no why. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, what, what's um, the number one why people do it? Like, let's say you're, you're a young, uh, you're a young wanna guy- be, They want to be cool. And, okay, so- uh, it's, it's status. more status. Yeah, okay, status. so, and, and we should make that blame. Like, Make sure you know, like, okay, this party, want you want to bring yourself a higher status. And so once you know your outcome, it's going to help you. Then everything else becomes easy to figure exactly. out. Exactly. And just like in business, you have to have a clear outcome, a clear objective or mission statement in order to drive that business to whatever success you and want. And everyone else needs to know that that's the individual goal that you're trying to achieve. Because once they're all on the same page of what the goal that they're trying to achieve, then you can communicate to them effectively what you want, what they need to be doing, who they're going to need to be reaching out to. So then you can just focus on the delegation process. Absolutely. So just wrapping up, like I think you mentioned a lot of great things. Uh, a lot of things you need to focus on is who, what, where, why, and how, but mostly why starting out. And then you find the who's. The who, it almost sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, right? right? The who's of who's. Like who are these people and who are they going to bring? And how are they what, going to what do you, what do you, and what do, what do they need help with? What are they interested in trying to achieve or trying to do? Because then you can figure out how to add value to them. And if you can't add the value, who do you know that can directly add the value to you, to them that you can therefore connect them with so then they owe you the favor? Exactly. Now, I think I think a lot of times people think they have to be the one adding the value, but no. a lot of times you don't have to be that one. You, if you know somebody, let's say you know that one of the connectors wants to be an actor, and you know the PR, but you don't. Yeah, you you don't act yourself. You may be uh, you know an engineer or something, but you know somebody in Who that field somebody? that might yeah that you connect them to, and you just introduce them. You don't even have to do anything. You just introduce them. Just the act of introducing them is going to add good faith to um, whatever you goodwill. Do. Yeah, broker goodwill. And I I think a lot of people forget about that. I think a lot of times, especially in larger cities, a lot of people are focused on, okay, what's in it for me? And they forget. If you focus on what's in it for the other person. Everyone else is in it for themselves already. You you are going to win so amazingly well because Mm -hmm. nobody else is doing it. You have to build up your own Army. social group, your your army, your tribe, whatever word you want to use for it. But it's very important. And the only way to do that is by adding more value to them than anybody else. And it's easy because nobody else is trying to add value. <laughs> exactly. That's the, that's the very nature of why value is valuable is because it's scarce and nobody else is doing it. If everyone started adding value, then you'd have to up the ante on how you added value. But because nobody does not everyone just fucking talks. If you're just the guy who actually is consistent and does any type of follow through, you win. Absolutely. Like, and this is a side tangent, but like a lot of people come to me and say, Hey man, like how do I, uh, either get me to mentor them or they, how do I get somebody to mentor me? And they're talking about high level people, like people who have a little bit of time. And mm-hmm. I always tell them the same thing you just said them said to me, like, you know, how do you add value to that person? And, and a lot of times you need to figure out what, 
what that person is interested in. What what makes them tick? What what is what it problem that are they trying to solve? Yeah, what problems are they trying to solve? You find out what, and you don't have to find it out directly from them. You you can talk to the people around them. You can look at their their Facebook. You can look at what they're putting out there into the world. You can listen to how to them speak, and you find out that answer. And I I promise you, you know you thy can enemy, find like thyself, man. Yes, you can have anything in the world, and I think the the difficult part is that a lot of people just don't execute on it. But the execution is really easy. Right. It's just you have to you actually have to go put do it, it and get up and put in the work the yeah. sweat equity So same with these parties. So hopefully this added a lot of value. Uh, I don't know um, on this Can people leave comments or uh, yeah, you know what? So like the cool yeah. thing is you actually yeah You can go ahead and like leave comments on the anchor podcast as well as I'm gonna drop this on a few other sites as well like Spotify um, I think I just got approved for like Apple iTunes as well So oh, you know go ahead do drop me a line. Let me know what you guys are thinking. I hope this was useful you know, I hope that you guys, this was practical for you. You guys can take this. If you guys have any other questions, you know, feel free to go ahead and reach out to me because my information is on there. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, peace. Peace.